Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Jerry Hamilton of On3 and Inside Texas, and hopefully Bobby Burton here shortly, having a couple of connectivity issues. But, Jerry, we're going to go ahead and get this ball rolling. Texas, of course, still number seven. Defeats uh, TCU 29-26 to and what ended up being kind of a nail-biter, kind of an ugly win, but a win nonetheless. And then some bad news, of course, came from the game with Jonathan Brooks tearing his ACL. But what were your overall thoughts on the Horns' performance this weekend? I, I think it's win in advance. It's win in advance right now. If you look around college football, I mean, my FSU interception late that uh, beat Miami 27-20. Washington interception late to hold off Utah 35-28. You know, it's kind of where we're at in college football. It's November. Uh, teams are not 100% healthy, and they're battling through it. But, hey, look, ask Mississippi State, ask Texas A&M. It's win in advance, baby. It's win in advance. And Texas is 9-1 and one, uh, for the first time, obviously, since 2009. Uh, this week at Iowa State, Steve Sarkeesian's going for his first 10-win season as a head coach. So it's a big week for Steve Sarkeesian. It was a big week for him last week coming uh, back against uh, TCU after getting 199 offensive yards. Obviously, Sark has his press conference at 11 a.m. this morning. We already know um, the status of Jonathan Brooks. I'm sure there will be some questions. You know, Jalen Catalan, why did he not go? Keelan Robinson did not play Saturday night. Um, Alfred Collins a little bit limited. Um, so there will be some questions there. Sark will continue to update on the health of the team. I'm sure there'll be questions about Quinn. Did he, did, did he have any issues with that shoulder in late starting mid second quarter and in the second half of that game? So Sark will address all that. I'm sure this morning as they get ready for Iowa state. And um, so it will, it'll be interesting to see what Sark has to say. Um, You know, I want to say this, I want to lead off this too. Last night, Justin Wells and I on this live stream talked about Quinn Ewers and how, you know, we'd all been saying, Hey, look, foregone conclusion he'll go to the nfl draft and 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 justin and i said last night whoa, whoa we're, we're gonna have to back off that a little bit and see what happens here and um i, I think uh we're at a point now where there's a there's a chance that quinn uh makes a decision to come back next year we'll see i think the process will play out but that's one that has texas fans uh attention as well well you know obviously that was the bad news this weekend but there was also some good news on the recruiting front yeah you had some some news that you can't argue with with a a flip and uh jerry i'll let you tell everybody about that flip yeah wardell mack uh flipped from uh florida to texas um and you know it, it the timing of it was interesting it was a little earlier than i think uh texas anticipated uh but what there's a couple things at play there look florida lost again um, you know, what, what's going on with Florida? Some of that class is kind of starting to take on water. Um, we'll have a little, uh, I, I talked with somebody close to the Xavier Phil same recruitment this morning. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but then, you know, Jamari Howard flips to Florida state late last week, a corner. So if, if Wardell Mack was getting down to, and I was at John Eric Thursday and look, I, I said it here. I mean, nobody there thought <laughs> nobody around that program thought, Warren Mack was a lock to Florida. They said the recruitment was in the balance. Um, but when Florida State got a, a cornerback commitment late, a flip late last week, if Wardell was going to back off of Florida and knowing LSU wasn't his choice, it was going to come down to Texas and Florida State. Well, with Florida State adding another corner to the class, things really uh, took shape for Texas sooner than expected. And give Sark and Terry Joseph credit 
uh, for sticking on with this recruitment, and staying strong with this recruitment. Um, they were they were talking to uh, Wardell Mack and his family multiple times uh, throughout the week, uh, so that that communication never really slowed down. Uh, starting about a week or two after he committed uh, to Florida, they gave it a little space, and they went right back in and, and continued to let Wardell know that he was wanted in Austin. And one thing Wardell said uh, to me Thursday was that he could see Sark's vision for the program. And I and I, I and and in, and that story was on Inside Texas and all the Inside Texas community people that are posting said that sounded really positive for Texas. That was positive for Texas. That's why I said uh, Texas has a vision for Wardell Mack in the headline. Uh, the other thing with that was, you know, in in talking with Wardell and his family at uh, Austin Bergstrom Airport after the uh, official visit in June, um, I got the sense that at least one family member was in the Texas corner at that time. And I think by the end of this, both family members um, were in the uh, corner for uh, for Texas at the end of the day. And but look, Florida had to have a season that questions direction to the program for this flip to be realistic. All right, Bobby. Now with us. Good morning to you, Bobby. We just got done talking about <laughs> Wardell Mack, but I'm going to back up for just a second since you weren't here when we were originally talking about it. Texas 29 and 26 win over TCU. Give us uh, your quick thoughts on the game, real quick. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those instances where Texas, uh, you know, went up big by 20 points and then gave ground uh, in the second half. Uh, there are a number of factors, I think, that led into that. Uh, but overall, uh, the Longhorns emerged with – they're now 9-1. And, one. and uh, you know, I don't really care at this point how they win. Uh, it is not about uh, any one way for them to win. Uh, it is about uh, how you advance and move on. Uh, we'll put it up here in a second, but uh, Texas now sitting atop uh, the Big 12 uh, overall, uh, Blake, uh, with a 6-1 and one record. Uh, four other teams at 5-2. and two. Texas plays our Iowa State this weekend. It's also 5-2. and two. Iowa State finishes, by the way, with not only Texas, but Kansas State. Yeah. So uh, Iowa State is either going to win out and go to the Big 12 title game, or they're going to be five and four, or five, four and uh, uh, six and three, something like that. But uh, they certainly have the toughest task ahead of them. Texas probably with the second toughest task uh, in, in that group. So um, my my take on it is we can debate that game as much as we want to. There were certainly some things in there that were negatives, but there were some positives in there a lot a lot of positives and I, I go back to the Jordan Whittington play personally every yeah. time I every time I think about that game right now there's two plays that matter to me and among all of them because there were a bunch right but the Jordan Whittington getting off the ground and after missing the first tackle getting up the, off the ground and then going and raking the ball and stripping the the, the uh, guy of the of the ball on the interception and then Xavier Worthy was on the 22-yard line of TCU, and he was the intended receiver. A guy tackled him after that ball was caught by the, the by TCU. Xavier Worthy got up off the ground, ran the length of the field, and recovered the ball at around the Texas 30. So he not only did he run 50 yard a 50-yard route, Blake and Jerry. He then was tackled. Then he got his butt up off the ground and ran 50 yards back the other way. So 
We can say Xavier Worthy's this. Xavier, I mean, people some some people think he's a prima donna, all this stuff. You know what his his teammates think of him this morning? That's a hell of a teammate. Yeah. Uh, that's what they think of him. And so that's number one. Well, wait, wait. That's number one. That's the first play. The second play I think of is third and 12. And Steve, Steve Sarkeesian calls a play that not many offense coordinators have the balls to call. That that pass, that was a low percentage play, probably 30% chance of, of happening for Texas with A.D. Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell. Okay. Quinn Ewers threw that as good as he can on a back shoulder. Adonai Mitchell made as good a play as you can make. He even stayed in bounds on that. Those two plays were winning plays. Like winning plays at every level, by the way. Not just, not just against TCU. Um, and so Texas has guys that can make plays in the clutch. Texas has guys that care. Anyways, and also like the other one that, I mean, look, Texas had a fourth down stop on the goal line, right, Jerry and Blake? They had another close to fourth down stop on the goal line in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, if Bucky Richardson's kid doesn't bat up a ball and Jalen, I mean, they almost had two fourth down stops inside the five. Yeah. These guys are playing hard and they're playing with and for each other and they're playing to win. So how they win, you know, I, I could go into, you know, what's what's happening there. But what I care about most is how they're representing the University of Texas right now, and they're giving it their all. So that I'm sorry I, to go on a no, 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 no. I, right after my internet provider went out. But <laughs> I want to add to that on the Jay Witt play. I think the most impressive thing about Jordan Whittington this year to me has been, Imagine being a wide receiver that's in on nearly every snap of the game and rarely being targeted because, look, the addition of A.D. Mitchell meant less targets for you and Xavier Worthy in year three and J.T. Sanders, right? Um, But imagine being in that position where you don't get targeted a lot, but you're asked to be the best blocker at the position. That's You You have to set ego aside in that scenario. You have to set ego aside. That's a guy who's leaving it all in the field for the University of Texas. Very much in different ways, but very similar to Roshan Johnson last year. He's not the number one guy wide receiver. He's not the number two guy wide receiver. But he is making so many plays that impact winning. I mean, Jordan Winnington didn't even appear in the offensive box score Saturday night. But he arguably made the most important play in the game. And it was a hustle and will to win play. Yep. All right, guys. Well, the next thing that we're going to move on to is something that everybody across college football is talking about currently. And that is (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that too. But Jimbo Fisher being let go from Texas A&M yesterday, that has all kinds of implications in recruiting, of course, with the Texas A&M program. What are y'all's thoughts on that? And can you believe it happened? Like it did. I'll say this. I think as Bobby takes a break, um, <laughs> I think uh, here's the thing. If Texas isn't nine and one, one at Alabama, ranked seven in the college football playoff, recruited back to back top five classes, headed to the SEC, 
I don't think the timing of this is pushed as much for Texas A&M. The te- Texas this season uh, and all the things I mentioned pushed accelerated Texas A&M's uh, timeline on this move if Jimbo didn't have a b- bounce back season. Because I I tend to think if Texas was sitting there at six and three right now and wasn't really ascending as a program, that maybe AM waits another year to make this move. Uh, but Texas ascending, LSU playing well under Brian Kelly, going to the SEC title in year one, Oklahoma playing well under Brent Venables. Texas AM was surrounded, leaded, leading obviously Texas the leader of that pack. But when the three schools you recruit against are all winning and there's questions about yours, it changes the timeline for when you're going to make a move. Bobby, your thoughts on the Jimbo Fisher situation? I I think they had to make that move. I I think they had to make the move. I'm like Jerry, a little surprised at the timing of it after you throttle a team 52 to 10 or whatever the final score was. Uh, But look, the writing has been on the wall for Jimbo Fisher for quite some time. Only the staunchest of Aggies uh, that had their head in the stand. They probably still do have their head in the sand, by the way. Um, they're, they are the ones, after all, that created a plaque that said future national champions. And Jimbo Fisher uh, said, oh, I hope I get I hope we put a couple of them on here, a couple of years on here. It, you know, it's just more of the same a little bit. I hope, uh, you know, that they kind of tone down the rhetoric, but. I've been alive 54 years and, you know, I don't think for, I don't think for 45 of them, they're ever going to tone that rhetoric down um, would be my guess. You know, they are who they are uh, at this point. Um, the, the thing that uh, is interesting to me is with Mississippi state opening with Arkansas possibly opening. I mean, Jeff Trailer's going to be involved in these jobs, Mike Elko, Kalen DeBoer, even Dan Lanning potentially, although I don't think he's headed that way. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see what happens uh, because there's going to be some jobs open that that directly impact state of Texas recruiting. I love the fact right now. I mean, frankly, for Texas, there's only one or two guys Texas is really after in the A&M class. But the fact that Florida is imploding a little bit, uh, you know, you know, makes the heart feel a little bit better as it, com- it involves recruiting. Jerry kind of touched on this from the, I mean, literally, Jerry was talking about this in September how Wardell Mack and, and uh, what's going on with him uh, might have a, might have a, uh, a real uh, play. But um, my, my take on everything right now with Texas is, yeah, A&M's shocking the world and Mississippi State's firing their coach on a Monday morning. Uh, but Texas won a football game on Saturday, picked up a top 50 recruit in the country on Sunday. Uh, they lost Jonathan Brooks. That's really the I – mean, that's sad. Uh, guy almost had, I had 1300 plus all purpose yards this year. Uh, but you know, if you think about it, guys, uh, if you think about that, what does that do with Jonathan Brooks for next year? I thought he was going pro. I think he has to come back. I think he has to come back now. Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, we can talk about all this stuff, but it's, it's A&M is, is just a minor part of it for me. Hey, and by the way, I, I'll say it right now. I'll be surprised, and I, I don't mean unless somebody really gets in on the AM job um, that maybe isn't expected. I'll be surprised on some level if this doesn't come down to Mike Elko or Jeff Trailer. Yeah, that makes sense. That. Definitely. Both of that. Both of that makes sense. Hey Blake, uh, 
I need to talk about John Donovan, uh, our friend uh, over at uh, Longhorn Wealth Management Group, if you don't mind, right, real quick. Uh, John and, and his family are Longhorns to the core. He's a proud UT grad and shares his Longhorn passion with his wife and six siblings, all of whom are also UT grads. John is a certified financial planner who has spent over 30 years providing investment, insurance, retirement, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. Uh, John has served 14 years as a Dallas, Texas board member, and it is his love for UT that inspired him to dedicate his firm to serving his fellow UT alums and all UT employees. Uh, for a free consultation, 90-minute consultation, to explore how Longhorn Wealth Management Group can serve you and your loved ones, please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Thanks a bunch, John. All right, guys, we're going to go back to Jonathan Brooks for a second because we have a super chat regarding that. I know y'all just touched on this, but let's talk about it a little more in depth. Lee Barden says, do y'all think Jonathan Brooks does rehab and heads to the NFL or comes back to Texas for another year after rehab? He certainly has been our number one running back this season. I think it's a he's in a tough spot, guys, because, um, you know, look, if he got, if he does come out, He's a six. You got to say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to be a sixth, seventh round draft pick if somebody takes a chance on me or willing to go the undrafted free agent route. But he can't, you know, it, it, he can't work out for anybody. I mean, all he can do is interview with people. Um, so I think he's in a really tough spot. I think it'll force his it'll force him to come back, which I think he was going pro, Bobby. Uh, but I just, I think, unless he's just willing to take an undrafted free agent, or, or a team saying, we'll take you in the sixth or seventh round, put you on IR, um, and let you get 100% healthy. Not that he couldn't have a chance to come back next season at some point, but it's probably one you want to give him time. I think he's kind of his decision's been made for him in a lot of ways. I got this next question with Jonathan Brooks as well. As we lose Bobby again, I'm going to remove him until he comes back. Uh, and Jerry, this is actually one for you from Larry Boone. What is Brooks coming if he comes back? What would that mean for incoming running back recruit? And somebody asked it. I want to add this. Somebody asked about does Texas still take Jarrett Gibson? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so add all these questions. And absolutely. I mean, Texas uh, loves the guys they have committed. Um, the, the key there is look, headed into the season. I, it wasn't a foregone conclusion Jonathan Brooks was going to go pro, right? I, people didn't weren't thinking that uh, about Jonathan Brooks. They're thinking, seeing a guy that has potential. Uh, Bobby and I really like that potential. We've talked about that. But he hadn't put it on the board to be an NFL draft pick, right? So going into the season, uh, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that Jonathan Brooks was going to be uh, a second or third round pick. So Christian Clark and Jarrett Gibson didn't commit to Texas thinking for sure Jonathan Brooks was off to the NFL. Now, does it, if Jonathan Brooks retar- returns, as I think he'll, he will have to do, does it create a bit more of a patient situation for backs? Yes, but that's only if all the guys still in the program on this year's team return next year, which is not a given in college football. All right, guys, and we're going to stay on this for a minute. From Corey J. Look, I think- oh, go ahead, Bobby. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead, guys. Okay. 
Uh, Corey J says, if he does come back, does he even start? Start. <laughs> Sark knew what he had in Brooks and started CJ to begin the season anyway. Coming back from an a- ACL, he might not start. Look at Nayor. Bobby? Um, look, it, it's true. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's a there's some truth to that. Uh, you're not going to necessarily get a guy, Jerry and Blake, uh, that uh, is, is going to all of a sudden be exactly like he was before. Some guys come back stronger yeah. uh, from their, uh, from their uh, time. Some guys, it takes longer. Uh, so it's going to be one of those things where you just have to wait and see what happens and go from there. Uh, that, that's my, that's my opinion. Uh, I would love to say that he's definitely going to come back exactly like he was, but mm, you know, you don't know. All right, Joel. Well, it's eight, 30 or a little after, which means that we are going to be bringing in our every Monday morning guest. And here he is right there. Tuck, how's it going this morning? What's up? What's up? What's going good? How you guys doing? Great, Tuck. Doing good. What did you think of that game on Saturday, bud? Listen, man. I'm kind of conflicted. We keep having to come to the close finish, but my boy Jay Wiz said it best. We 9 and 1, so. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> what, 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 what did you um, – uh, you, you you obviously... Oh, go ahead, Bobby. Uh-huh. Uh, look, uh, Tuck, I, I, I think we're, we're uh, having some technical difficulties here this morning a little bit, so we oh, apologize. I, <laughs> um, I, I think uh, my question for you as it relates to Texas football this week is what is causing Texas – to, to squander these leads, uh, these 20-point leads, in your opinion? Um, I think, man, even though we took a huge step as far as culture-wise, even still just one of these close games means a lot. But I think it's still trying to create that identity and uh, embrace what it is to be, you know, a top team. I think we're still learning how to do that as the season goes on. And I think with every close win, we gain confidence. So uh, it's always encouraging, you know, to to be able to learn from wins. And I think we've we've had a couple lessons now. So you know, hopefully we can turn it around and not have to keep having close games. But at the same time, we do know what kind of team we have. We have a team that's mentally tough enough to finish games. Now we just need to get to that point to where we don't have to, you know, have tough close finishes. Um, but I think it's really still – we're just still learning how to win. Uh, there's been a lot of losing at this school for a while now. Um, and I think this is the first year we actually starting to really put it together. So, I mean, it, it, it takes time. It takes time. Hey, Tuck, what did you uh, think of uh, linebacker play Saturday against TCU? I mean, did you – any thoughts, anything you saw there? Uh, because obviously Jalen Ford, nine tackles, Anthony Hill, eight tackles, the two leading tacklers in the game. Reese Blackwell mm-hmm. played a little – Played well in space. What did you see from that position Saturday? Um, I like I like the activity we had out there. A lot of production. Um, like I said, we got a lot of connectivity, man. They they out there every time, and no matter who you throw out there, the group is playing well as a, as a unit. Um, so I think it's very encouraging. I think Jalen Ford had that breakup, that pass breakup in the end zone. I really like that. Um, and I think they play aggressive too, man. I think they they ride to the ball in a bad mood, so that's really good. Um, but like like I said, every week they've been really consistent, and I, and I think that's um, you know helping us as well. Yeah, when you uh, uh, watching Quinn, obviously you uh, won a practice field uh, opposite Quinn a lot last year. Yeah, uh, what where have you seen his improvement this year as a quarterback? Um, I would say his biggest improvement is going to 
probably be his leadership for me anyway, just on the outside looking in and then going to practices as well. I think there's probably be his leadership. Guys really rally around him. And um, he gives us a different type of swagger when he's out there. Um, and, and then his deep balls, too. He's getting better with connecting with the guys. And I think chemistry between the receivers and uh, him is getting better. But, uh, yeah, I think his leadership is probably the biggest thing and the confidence that he instills in his teammates. Because um, when we out there, we really, th- we really believe. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. And so Texas obviously goes on the road to Iowa State this year. Uh, you, I don't think you didn't play a road game at, in Ames in your uh, college. No, no, but I didn't. what were your takeaways from the Iowa State team last year? The program, kind of getting ready for Iowa State. What did y'all think they did really well um, uh, last year as a team? As you as Texas gets prepared to play in Ames this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a ball game simply because of the effort that they play with. They play very hard and uh, very fundamentally sound. Um, I, I think they play football the right way. So when you, when you face teams like that, no matter what kind of talent they have, they're always going to have um, a chance to, 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 to compete because they do play the, the game the right way. Um, and they're very physical as well. So big, too. <laughs> So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see, uh, you know, how we handle that. But yeah, I think just the way that they they, they operate, it, it, it's just, they play they play a good brand of football. Hey, uh, the most talented. Yeah. So I, I, this is a question for you that I think goes directly to this game this weekend. You were um, under recruited coming out of high school, right? Yeah. Um, Iowa State's got a bunch of guys that feels like they were under recruited coming out of high school, right? And now they're going up against Texas and all the highly ranked recruits, right? You were in their shoes at yep. one point. Yep, yep, What's yep. the difference in motivation for guys like yourself that said, man, I got this chip on my shoulder. I, I'm better than people thought I was coming out of high school. I'm as good as these guys playing at University of Texas. What's that mindset like for you to help the Texas fans kind of get into the mind of the Iowa State players? Um, this is the game you circle on the calendar. I honestly, I think everybody that played Texas circle the game on the calendar, and that's probably why we always in some close games because everybody want to beat us. But at the same time, uh, yeah, this is the one that you circle on the calendar because you know it's the one that can help you get drafted the most. Um, they're gonna when the scouts come and look at this game, they're gonna be looking at the big ones. How did you play against them when the game was uh, when the game was close? Because we don't want it to be close. <laughs> so if you go out there, you make plays against the big schools with the big names, that, that has a lot to do with your draft stock. Um, and then some some guys just, you know, have stuff, stuff that they want to prove. Um, even the guys that don't want to go to the NFL, they feel like you said they've been under-recruited. So, I mean, it's pretty pretty self-explanatory. You know, they, they, they do feel a way, um, and they want to go out there and show the world. Uh, that's, that's something that I used to say, like, let's show the world. So uh, just put the world on notice that, hey, I'm here, and um, – there's not going to be a walk in the park and, and you're going to feel me before I leave off this field. So um, I think that also too is like the key to the game for us is to show them early. Like you under recruited for a reason, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. Go, out there, go out there and take the confidence out of the, out of them early. Um, and it'll be over fast. If, if that, if that, if we go out there and do that, but I mean, we ain't been able to do that for the last couple of weeks. So we'll see. All right. <laughs> last question I have for you, Tuck. Mm-hmm. I call this Bo Davis week. I know you saw the video uh, of Bo on the bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, look, you, you're you unlike anybody on this chat. Um, you got to know Bo Davis a little bit or watch him work. What makes Bo 
really good at what he does. And how well did you get to know him in your short time on the team? Um, I, I think me and him have a great relationship, man. Uh, you know, working with the D line all the time, you gotta you gotta uh, have a, a good relationship with the D line coach. Uh, so we had a good relationship. But um, you said what makes Bo so good? Um, yeah, just the authenticity that he coaches with, the passion. Um, you heard it on the video. He really cares, and um, this is serious to him. And he instills that in his players, and he expects uh, it's a certain standard that he expects that out of you. And uh, he'll let you know if you're not, you know, playing up to that standard. And I think um, he's a huge reason why we see the production out of those two guys up front. Uh, they speak for themselves. Uh, but, yeah, I think the passion that he coaches with. But he also loves his players, too, man. Like, <laughs> he treats them boys real good. He makes sure that they're taken care of. Um, they basically get first deals on everything. Uh, so, I mean, you, you want to play for a guy like that just because – um, you know, he's going to coach you. He's going to coach you hard. But at the same time, he's trying to help you reach your goals and trying to help us reach our team goals. But he also has been there before. He understands what it takes to be great. Uh, and he, he has all the credentials. So, uh, you know, it, it kind of speaks for itself, his resume. And then on top of being at the University of Texas and having a chance to go out there and, and really do something special and be remembered forever. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Hey, Tuck, real quick before we let you go, I got one question from you from a viewer. And it's from Casey, and he says, are you seeing our defense doing anything different in the second half versus the first half these last few games? Um, it's a good question. And honestly, I can't really put a I, – I don't think so. No, I, I wouldn't say that. I think uh, it's a game of runs, man, and, and the, the guys on the other side, they get scholarships too. Uh you know they they gonna make some plays. That's 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 just, that's just how uh, football is, is 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 goes. But I think I think number three. Uh, I think that's the number. It was the receiver was number three. Oh yeah, Savion. He, he gave us hell. You know he had a good game. He's huge. He he, he can play football. You know sometimes that just happens. Um, guys gonna make plays, man. And I think our our biggest problem is just understanding how to not let one play affect the next. Um, so I don't really think it's anything different. I think we just need to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, and, yeah, just, I think consistency is the biggest thing going, going into the second half. Uh, but it, it's a balanced it's a balanced thing, too, like offense and defense. We both got to be more consistent. Yeah. All right, Tuck. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you coming on each and every Monday morning. And have a good rest of your week. All right, fellas. Y'all do the same. <laughs> thank you. All right, well, we're going to bring Bobby back in, Jerry. Oh, I think Bobby, he's going to now. miss the most important part of the show. And I that's what I, I wanted to bring him in, especially for this, because I know this is everybody's favorite part of the day. So, Jerry, with that said, take it away. Hey, it's that time, fellas. Lawnmower 5.0. It's 2023. We're thankful for the Lawnmower 5.0. Are you ready to spice up your Thanksgiving? Yeah, I am. As we dive head first into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, let's talk about the unsung hero of holiday season, the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. It's time to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of your own turkey leg with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off and free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Gobble Gobble, boys. <laughs> hey, look, don't let poor grooming 
be the topic of your dinner conversation this year. With the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, you'll be the talk of the table. Manscaped.com. Use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off and free shipping. I, I got to be honest, Jerry. Only you can do that that uh, commercial proud. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> Only you, my man. Hey, I, I, I'm sorry my internet's been in and out, guys. Uh, I'm down to, closer to... Uh, the exact uh, location of the router. So hopefully that helps. Uh, sorry, uh, this is the initial GoFundMe for new internet. I've got the highest speed possible, but apparently that sometimes doesn't even help uh, when you have spotty connection. Uh, it's been going on here in the house for about 48 hours. So uh, my apologies. I'm glad it didn't happen in the post-game show uh, or uh, last night when we went through the Wardell Mac uh, situation, Jerry. Uh, you know, we, we talk about all this stuff and, and Tuck had a good point there at the end. Cause I caught the, the last half of his interview. Savion Williams is a baller. Yeah. And I think he just had his best game of his career. He did. He's, he's a, a first round pick. If, if he's, if he's perfect. Right. I don't think he is. Cause he doesn't have the hand. He does not have great hands, Jerry. Yeah. He, yeah. he dropped one that was just right in his mitts. Yeah. But physically speaking, he's a first round pick. Yeah. He's the 6'4", 200-pound guy that runs 4'4". Yep. You know, the Raiders will probably pick him, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, and but he he chose Saturday night to go off against the Longhorns. And, you know, good for him. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite enough, though. And that's yeah. the important part. All right, guys, we got some more Super Chats that we have to get to, so we're going to do that. This first one from Kevin Todd. He says, Bobby, Jerry, Sark said that Jay Witt is going through something. Do we know what that is? Is it an injury? I, I think that that's what he was uh, referring to. It wasn't anything mentally. Uh, so uh, thanks for the super chat. But I, I just don't – I think it's just a minor injury. I mean, Jade Barron is going through something too as well, guys. I don't know if we, we didn't even talk about that, but he came off the field. If you remember, Jalen Gilbos, who made the, the play on uh, J.P. Richardson at that goal line, yeah. That's because Jade Barron had come off the field after that long pass to Jared Wiley. Uh, so, because uh, he was, he kind of hobbled off and J- Jalen Gilbo went in. Uh, I- I'm a little concerned about Jade Barron right now. I'm not so concerned about Jordan Whittington, even though I think he is nicked up a little bit. All right. Then our next super chat is from Abel Martinez and more of a comment. He says, complaining about 9 1 is a lot better than complaining about being 8 and 2. Amen. <laughs> that's that's uh I know when I woke up on Saturday or on Sunday, I felt a lot better being Texas being nine and one than eight and two. Because they still had everything to play for. That we we still had we saw some things that they can correct, but also some things that maybe in years past we wouldn't see. I mean, Jerry mentioned Roshan Johnson when I was on earlier uh with you guys and you know what? Maybe that some of that is spread to other guys. Maybe Jordan Whittington, maybe Xavier Worthy caught a little bit of that, right? Um, and it's going that, – that's how it all starts. And hopefully it, it just blossoms and blooms from here where it takes over. A, you have a whole roster full of guys playing with that sort of passion and care. Uh, because then when you add that into uh, the talent that Texas has – really special things can start to happen. And that, uh, you know, I think we're seeing some of that now. I don't think that this roster 
Like this is going to be a high year for Texas, obviously right now, but down the road, seeing these freshmen like Anthony Hill and Derek Williams and Manny Muhammad, Ethan Burke getting this time as youngsters, uh, even John uh, Cook getting on the field, Cam Williams. I mean, all those guys are seeing this happen. And a year and a half, two years from now, when it's their turn, I just think it's invaluable, absolutely invaluable. They know what it takes to win now. I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you the other thing from a recruiting perspective. With the Wardell-Mack flip, if Texas is 6-3 and three, and Florida's 5-5, five and five, it matters. I mean, it matters, especially after Jamari Howard flips to Florida State, the same position Wardell Mack is. If Wardell Mack saying, hey, you know, this Florida situation, I don't know about this. The family's talked to him. I don't know about this situation long term here. Well, if Texas is sitting there six and three right now, they're going to have some of the similar questions. Not the same, but similar. Uh, but here's the difference. When you're nine and one, um, the recruits see the game so different than the fans. Wardell Mack sees opportunity on a really good team. And that's what matters. I right, so we got a couple more super chats to get to. And I'm going to combine two of these because they're the exact same question. But Brandon Huey says the Quinn stays. What does that mean for Arch? But hold on one second. As D. Herring, and by the way, thank you, Brandon Huey, for the super chat. And then D. Herring says, rapid fire, how would Quinn returning affect Arch? How would Brooks returning affect Gibson? And will Nayor stick around for next year? So we'll start with the first, Quinn and Arch. Y'all's thought. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. Well, I, I think it's looking more and more like Quinn is likely to stay than go into the NFL. I don't know that we're ready to report that quite yet, but that's the general feeling around uh, the, the building right now. Uh, we'll, we'll know more probably within the next week or two, if that's really going to be the case. Uh, that's number one, as far as Nayor, I've heard more positive things than negative things of late, which would have flipped early in the season when he didn't see action against Wyoming. I think now he's taking clearly taking a red shirt, a second red shirt year. Remember he, he has a COVID year too, guys. 
So, uh, you know, we'll see where that ends up. And what was the other one? Jonathan Brooks? Uh, uh, Jarrett Jarrett Gibson. Yeah, I don't think that – Jerry went over this early. They weren't necessarily thinking that that, uh, Jonathan Brooks was going to go pro early when they committed to Texas either. Not not Gibson or Christian Clark, either one. One more super chat here. This one from Juan. And he said, Aaron Hogan said on the show that AM may go after Mike Norvell. That would be interesting. I mean, I, I don't really know what to say there. I, I don't think FSU is going to let Norvell go. And I, I'll be honest, if I'm Mike Norvell and I'm at FSU, I'm not going to Texas A&M. Last one, last one they chose from Florida State didn't work out so well for them. I, I, really, I really think unless a new name pops into this, and maybe it's a Norvell, we'll see. I really think this is going to come back to Elko and Jeff Trailer as of as of this morning. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's not going to be Norvell. No, I'm with you. Yeah. On that. I, I love Aaron, but um, uh, the idea that they're going to they're going to go after Mike Norvell right now probably not probably not what they're thinking. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take this question from Football Texas, and he says, "Question, guys, I think we're underutilizing Savion Red outside of the Red Cat." Do we see more of him with Jonathan Brooks out? I think he's dangerous outside and can run inside as well. I'm very interested, Bobby, to see what the game plan is going to be this week in Ames. Because it's inside zone sets up everything else in the passing game. And that favors Savion Red more than it does Jaden Blue as a runner. Or Cedric Baxter. Um, well, yeah, well, Cedric Baxter obviously fits the scheme, right? But that who's going to – because Cedric Baxter, you're not going to ask him to carry it 30 times because he'll get – there's just no way. He's not 100%. So is it Savion Red or Jalen Blue? And we need to see – we need to see what Sark says about Keelan Robinson at 11 this morning as well. But um, who fits what they do, the inside zone run game, better? I mean, obviously, in the Red Cat, they think Savion Red's the guy, right? If you need three yards, if you need two yards, if you need one yard, they're thinking, okay, he's the power guy. Um, he's the guy that can run downhill. He can he fits the scheme better. So it'll be interesting, Bobby. How's if if Jaden Blue will get more time? How are they going to scheme him? Because it's got to be different. You know, I I, I think it, it's you know I kind of wonder is are they just going to chunk it around the yard? You know, are they going to use Jaden Blue in space as opposed to trying to run the power? Or, you know, are they going to use Keelan Robinson in space? What about? Savion Red. I mean, he was a receiver last year. Got to remember that. Um, I don't know what's going to come up here, Jerry. Uh, I, I really don't. And the loss of Jonathan Brooks is huge. He is the bell cow running back for the University of Texas. He's the one that has the patience on the counters and on the outside runs that truly shows he can kind of weave through traffic and, and create big plays. I, I thought his run against his touchdown run against uh, TCU was, you know, you know, an exact example of why he really fits them. He waited for the hole, then pushed it and found a, a, a crease. Uh, even the, the throwback pass to him that went for 70 some odd yards against TCU, I think uh, that that play in and of itself has to be run a certain way to uh, maximize yardage out of it. That he really did it. Some and Jerry, you mentioned this in the post game. Some guys just get that ball and hit the Jets. Right. Okay. Jonathan Brooks doesn't just get it and hit the Jets. He gets it 
kind of accelerates, but then waits to see where his blockers are and then figures it out. Uh, that's the difference between Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter right now, as much as anything, is that timing and patience um, and getting into the hole, but then figuring out where you really need to go after the fact. I mean, it's a rare it's a rare trait for a running back that Texas doesn't have anybody else on the roster to uh, uh, substitute for. So Texas is going to have to find another way. They're going to have to be versatile for Sark's commentary to win this game in Ames. They just are because we know they're going to be difficult to beat uh, away at night. All right, y'all, Nick Ramos says he knows that he's crazy, but what is he missing with Baxter? Is he hurt? He doesn't seem to cut as well, shed arm tackles, or have the great burst that he expected. Not sure he's going to be able to take on that role. What are y'all thoughts on that? Hey, guys, I'll I'll be back in two minutes, okay? Yep. All right, hey, I'll tell you what it is, guys. Uh, He he literally, uh, uh, Blake, uh, in my opinion, uh, had to uh, be a guy that – was not healthy early. You saw a burst against Rice, got dinged up. He came back. You saw a burst against Houston after he had the off week. Y'all remember that? The 14-yard TD run? He looked every bit a number one running back in the country type of guy on that run. He got dinged up again, and ever since, he's not 100%. And his body is still growing. Um, He's just a true freshman. Uh, Next year, hopefully, uh, with an off-season of training, he's able to to run through some of those arm tackles. He got tripped up on what I think would have been a big run against TCU because he didn't pick up his feet going through the hole. Okay? That is a small thing that Tashar Choice will work with him on. I, I, I think that what you're not seeing is that he's injured right now. That's my opinion. All right, y'all. This next question here is from Helio Castillo, and he says, with Brooks out for the season, do you guys think Texas will be a lot more pass-heavy going forward, or do you still see them trying to stay kind of balanced? I have to be balanced. If you get to be where you're one-dimensional, that you lose football games. Um, you got to be balanced. Um, and, look, I, I think especially – especially they're going to face a the true three high this weekend, guys, and it's going to be cold weather. They're going to challenge, say, all right, man, you want to throw it over the top? You want to throw it deep? All right. But that the run game, having a run game, I don't think it's ever been more important outside of Alabama than it is this weekend in Ames, guys, that you have to run the football against this defense. This next question is a super chat, and it's from Jonathan McKay. And he says, thoughts on Texas calling more huddle at TCU? I thought they should have done it earlier. I mean, I, I uh, Jerry and I, Jerry knows this because I sent it to the group. Uh, I went back and tracked how many seconds. In the middle of the third quarter, there were two different instances where Texas snapped a ball with 20-plus seconds left on the play clock, up by 20. After its defense had just held out a fourth down on the goal line and needed time to rest. I I think Texas should sugar huddle more. Uh, be With a 20-point lead, there's no need to ever snap the ball with 20 seconds plus left on the play clock. Ever. Okay? Oh, well, they, they need to run up the score. Oh, well, we got them in a certain defense. With 20-point lead 
and your defense just getting off the field, you need to snap the ball at, at the very worst inside the 10-second clock limit. Maybe every single one needs to be within five seconds. You want to know why Texas, uh, there's two or three minutes left and teams are trying to run back down the field to get an extra go at Texas. Use the play, play clock better if you're up 20. That's that's a personal opinion. And now the other the other opinion is sustained drives. Uh, two drives in the third quarter were, I think, cut short by not, not unsuccessful short yardage. Two third down, third and shorts. Texas didn't uh, complete. And then again, on both of those situations, uh, Texas <laughs> Texas went uh, and had to uh, go and threw, threw the ball deep on two of those scenarios that were incomplete, and they were drive killers. They went for the jugular and didn't get it. Um, and so when you're up by 20 points, do you really need to throw deep or you just need to move, run clock, get in and out of there with a win, execute by moving it down the field? That's my That's my thought process. Okay, this next question is from Chris Barr, and he says, question, guys, what has Vernon Broughton improved this year to see him be so productive, or have the coaches simply started playing him more towards his strengths and hiding his weaknesses? I, I want to start with one, Bobby. He's a lot more physical at the point of attack this year. A lot more physical at the point of attack. And that's what he was going to have to do to take a big step as a player because he had initial quickness. He had disruptive ability with size. But he had to get more physical at the point of attack. Surprisingly so, by the way, Jerry. That's not something we thought he could ever do after his first couple of seasons in Austin. Um, He's anchoring better against runs. Still not the best to anchor, by the way. But, I mean, he made a couple big plays against TCU. Yes. uh, No doubt. Uh, One of which uh, caused a fourth down that TCU ended up kicking a field goal on early. Um, So, my hat's... One play, one coach. I do not worry about developing his players on this team. Not that he's this or that, but Bo Davis develops his players. Eventually, they they become guys yeah. that the team can count on. All right. This next question here, we're going to go the other side of the line, is from Zane Petty, and he says, "Why in the world will Flood not replace Connor?" Watching him continually get blown up on fourth and ones and third and shorts make it make sense. Don't you at least have to give somebody else the chance? Pass protection. That has to be it, in my opinion. Uh, especially when you have a you have a quarterback that's had an injury history problem right now, guys. Uh, that's what Texas is looking at. I mean, two years in a row, Quinn Ewers has had injury history. Um, and until he gets more weight, uh, on his body, he's going to continue to have those things. I I, I do question that move. Uh, if there's one position on the field that I would question it right now, above all else, or actually there's two safety in the the level of rotation that's going on back there. I think hurts communication in the secondary and left guard. Um, and I I say that knowing that there's got to be a reason Kyle Flood's doing it. Um, I just I question it inherently because of exactly what you're mentioning right there. Uh, Hayden Connor, though, uh, has given everything he's got to the University of Texas. So have the safeties. So I'm not trying to uh, to to pick anybody out. Just as a lay person that watches this closely, I, I agree with that question mark. 
Okay, then our next question here is going to be from Jeff W. And he says, uh, second half play question. Is it play calling or execution? This is killing my blood pressure, and it's so confusing. And he also says prayer for Jonathan Brooks. I know about the blood pressure thing. I'll, I'll start with that, Jeff. <laughs> I get it. Um, you know, I think it's – we just mentioned and talked about it. It's, I think it's an amalgam of many things. Um, I think play calling – in the second half, when you're trying to go deep, when all you really need to do is move the ball down the field, eat some clock, uh, that's questionable. You know, do you really need to be going for the jugular every, you know, twice in the third quarter when you're up by 20? That's that's number one. Um, number two is, uh, you know, I think Tuck was right. Other guys make plays. Savion Williams is a good player. Yes. He's probably going to be a higher draft pick than any of the Texas safeties. Yeah. Save Derek Williams. Okay. He may be a higher draft pick than any of the Texas cornerbacks, save maybe Manny Muhammad long term. So there was a little bit of a talent mismatch there, like it or not. Um, and so that's part of it. Uh, you know, the the fourth quarter, the pass rush slowed down, I thought. Um, and that played a factor. Uh, but you know, there a football game is not always just one-sided and it's going to be 45 to nothing. The other team has players too. I think it was a mix of many different things. I do think that uh, we've we got to get better on some management issues as far as times to snap. I mean, why not choke the clock on other people? You're up by 20. You know, why not choke the clock? And so I, I think that those are things that they can look in on. Uh, but all in all, I, I don't I don't have this problem. Uh, my blood pressure is going to go up and down regardless of what yeah. this team does. Yeah. I'll just tell you that. So uh, my, my point being is uh, be happy with nine and one, because ultimately that that's what will matter. Um, they need to go into Ames this weekend. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully this Bo Davis commentary really hits home for them. Uh, by by the way, a little a little bit on Iowa State, which we'll get into much more, right? Um, not a good offensive football team, but you are on the road. I mean, if Iowa State was having to take their offense to, to Austin, you could see a similar BYU struggle for them offensively. Now, Rocco Beck is getting better, the uh, first year starting quarterback for them. Uh, but look, they are seventy third in points per game, eighty fourth in the country in yards per game. Um, I mean, there's there's not a offensive stat a stat other than their fourth down conversion rate, 17th in the country. Um, there's not an offensive stat that's really good about this team this year, and that was very similar to BYU. I think Iowa State's got better parts than BYU. They have a six four. I would say it's a six four. Somebody asked about their receivers. They have a six four wide receiver from Miami that's a junior, has about 600 yards, and they have a. 5'10", 200 pound, built like a running back wide receiver on the other side. Um, and, and he's a good player as well. But they don't have the receivers that TCU or U of H or Oklahoma had. They're not that level of guys. Uh, so this is a game where Texas needs to dominate. Uh, and I think the Iowa State offensive line is going to have issues with Texas up front. I, I really believe that in this game. Uh, so I, I think uh, in Iowa State also, Bobby, are they built to go fast? Are they built to do the things that's worked against Texas? Vertice no, they're not. They're, they're going to be more like Wyoming. That's right. 
Um, that that's and they'll play good defense. They'll make Texas earn it on defense, and they'll be deliberate on offense. And they are good on third down. Um, the other thing that Iowa State has, I think they have two good young running backs, Jerry. Yeah, um, very young, uh, but both legit, maybe future NFL guys. They're just young. Yeah. All right, real quick, Roger Love, we got your super chat, but no question attached to it. If you'll send it regular, I'll make sure to fix that. And then before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about home field. Yeah, you guys have heard us talk about home field since the start of this football season. Uh, there are a lot of college uh, collegiate apparel brands out there, uh, but we partnered with home field uh, because their designs are simply the best out there, unique, et cetera. Some of my favorite T-shirts uh, for them are the 1883 vintage logo, the long, home of the Longhorns ringer tee, and the Texas baseball script tee. Uh, be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com. That's homefieldapparel.com. Filter by Texas and see all of what we're talking about. Our listeners get an exclusive deal using code ONTEXAS23. ONTEXAS23 gets you 15% off of your first order. We know you're all wearing UT gear like myself. I've got one on right now. Uh, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out Home Field Apparel. Their designs are unique and a lot of thought goes into each and every concept. There's really nothing else like it on the market home, uh, to, compared to what Home Field is doing overall. Uh, you can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And again, use code ONTEXAS23 for 15% off your first order. All right. I want to thank them, obviously, for sponsoring today's show here. And then we got a couple more Super Chats that we need to get to, guys. Uh, this first one from Rudy. And Rudy says, would Arch be willing to sit another year if Quinn does decide to come back? I think so. That's what we hear. I don't think I don't think Arch is like, you guys, I think people miss, every time they think they have a, a beeline on the Manning family and their timelines and all this other stuff, they don't. They're not, what have you done for me lately, people? They're not instant gratification people. If they were, Arch Manning would have taken whatever he could have gotten in NIL money when Grandpappy Manning says, no, we haven't taken, he hasn't taken a single dime. Okay. He, they're, they're just not, they're, they're built differently in that way. And so they look at it through a different lens. They want their son to play the next 20 years of football, not just next year, okay? He is fine, and he's going to play those 20 years of football, in my opinion, as long as he's not injured. He's that good, guys. I mean, I just, Jerry and I talked about it. There, What, Jerry, four different people told us in the last week? Yeah. I mean, that he he's a freak. I know that just is so weird to hear about a backup quarterback that didn't get in over Malik. But I just, fellas, Texas has something there, and I don't think the Longhorns want that to to, to be let go. Um, and I don't think he's going to be looking to go anywhere either. All right, this next super chat is from Archmania. And he says, why can't a blatantly missed face mask penalty be reviewed? The side, that side, just, the side judge was atrocious. That call on Devondre Sweat cost us 15 yards. Uh, I mean, look, I, they also missed a, a pass interference call on Ter Terrence Brooks. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like that. Did you feel like the 
officiating really cost either team the game in that one, Jerry? No, I, I did not. They're going to miss things like that. Right. I mean, look, we're at, we're at a point in college football, even with a running clock, where what are we average at 150, 152 plays a game? I mean, you're going to miss two or three or four calls. I mean, this is not old school football where you're running – one team's running 46 plays, the other one's running 48. You're running twice as many plays nowadays with better athletes on the field. I want to say this. Can you bring that that topic back up that you just had, Blake? I want to I want to address this. Seth, Sonny, Sonny Dykes complained about the officiating in Saturday's game. What are y'all's opinions on the officiating? The two whiniest coaches in the Big 12, by far, about officiating. I mean, they sit there and work the officials and give all the facial contortions BS I've ever seen are Sonny Dykes and Matt Campbell. You'll see them both back-to-back. Matt Campbell will yell at him mean. Sonny Dykes will give him that studious look of sarcasm, like you got to be kidding me type stuff and be in their ear all game. Dykes does it because he actually doesn't do anything else. He doesn't call plays. He doesn't, he, he has an offensive coordinator. So he's literally just working the refs and making sure he's deciding whether or not to go for it or kick on fourth down. Campbell actually has some, some uh, X's and O's that he does on game day, but he's one of those more irate, Ohio blue collar kind of guys, right? But those two guys are by far the hardest on officials in the Big 12. And I, Dykes' stick is old, in my opinion. So is Campbell's. All right. Now let's move on to the next question here. And it is from Rillo Hookham. And he says, Would you rather win the Big 12 title and be left out of the playoff and win a New Year's Six Bowl? Or make the playoff and get blasted in the national cha- or the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, look, first of all, there would be no sixty-five-seven uh, if that's what you're asking. Oh, you'd uh, you'd rather go to the college football playoff? No, no question about it. Because here's the reality about a college football playoff: if you get there and you're in the one versus four game, oh, and the starting quarterback for that one. Uh, happens to, uh, oh, he hurt his ankle running for his life in the first quarter, then suddenly you're in a pretty decent position. You want to be in the game because you never know what happens in the game. I, I, I Look, you take those odds and go with them every single day, Blake. I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, think, think back to this. that and would not look back, my man. Think back to this. Texas basketball in the Elite Eight last year. Who thinks – Miami would have won that game if Dylan Dusu was healthy. You never or, or Sir Jabari Rice or yep. you never know what's going to happen. Texas suffered injuries in the Sweet 16, then Elite Eight games, and that Miami was a good team, but that helped them advance. You always want to be in that position because you never know what's going to happen. All right, and Roger Love, we're still waiting on that question for your super chat, so please get it in. We'll try to get to it before we get out of here. All right, Heoli Frioli 93. Some other pubs seem to think Bama will jump Texas in the college football playoff rankings. If that's the case, then what's the point of scheduling and beating big non-conference opponents? Great question. Yes. Great question. What's the value? I don't know. I mean, what, beating what, what, him by what, 10 at home. Oh, well, our quarterback wasn't ready. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want? You want... To give everybody the benefit, I mean, you can't do that. It's just like when Texas beat Oklahoma side by side, forty-five to thirty-five, but still didn't get in because people that weren't on the field that day decided that Texas deserved 
Texas wasn't deserving. That, that's crap. Here's Brian Robeson said something so great on Longhorn Network uh, uh, Saturday. After where you're ranked, you know, within a conference or a season or what, what goes after that if you're tied head to head? Head to head. Texas won at Bama by 10. Nobody's ever done it before. Uh, so here's the question, and I totally think – I think Brian Robes had a great point when he brought it up, the way he, he illustrated that point as well. Um, because head-to-head is what you talk about in sports. Hey, look, Oklahoma, if Texas loses two in, in Big 12 Conference and Oklahoma also loses two, Oklahoma deserves to go over Texas. That's right, 100%. They won. Head-to-head. Yeah, I mean, would, we, would you – I don't – I don't argue that. No. So the question is – Will Alabama actually jump Texas in the college football playoff rankings? I'm that's an interesting question because if Alabama beats an undefeated Georgia in the SEC championship game, who's won 31 games in a row by that point, is Alabama going to jump Texas? I think as long as Texas keeps winning, the committee has a very tough time making that flip. I do too. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous if you think about it, because that's the one thing that you can go back on. That's you can't can't create these transitory scores where, oh, well, you beat them by 10. So I beat you by three. So I should be 13 points better than you. It, it doesn't work that way. The only way it works is head to head. And and if you have that, it should trump all. All right, y'all, we got a couple more Super Chats we need to get to. Uh, this first one, Ryan from Shiner. He says, I just want to thank y'all for all the content. Most of my Super Chat money goes to tuition in Austin and San Marcos, but just wanted to show my love. Thanks, Ryan. I've been to Shiner a couple different times. Enjoy that place. All right, Ryan Nelson, Saban didn't include schedule true road games for years because of this BS. Okay. All right, this next super chat from Cinco de Mayo, and thank you, Cinco. He said, Eric made mention this morning of another flip in the works on Inside Texas. Any insight to that? Well, nothing nothing different than what we've been talking about. Texas is uh, working on several flip candidates. Um, you know, the odds are Texas will get another, and that's why I've been saying. If you set the number at two and a half, I don't know if I go two. I don't know if I go three, uh, but it's right there, and they've already got one. So I – there could be more than one. We'll see what happens here. Um, I talked to somebody close to Xavier Phil Same Camp this week. What's interesting now, guys, for uh, teams in recruiting is high school playoffs. So, for instance, Xavier Phil Same is scheduled to be at the Florida State-Florida game. If McKinney wins again this week, that's probably not happening because you're going to have a playoff game either next Friday or next Saturday. But depending on when that game is, what if you could come down for the Texas Tech-Texas game? So there's so many things at play here. Same thing, Jasper plays Waco Connolly in the playoffs this week. If Waco Connolly beats Jasper, then suddenly does Texas get Ty Anthony Smith on campus for the Tech game? So the, these playoffs, who wins and loses, and when they lose, it matters a lot with these visits these last couple of weeks. Uh, of the college football season, uh, because obviously the interesting thing about all, uh, all this in recruiting guys, Bobby, is if you make the conference championship game, 
while you're at a recruiting advantage in the spotlight, you're at a recruiting disadvantage because you missed an official visit weekend. I'll just say this. If and it's, it's, uh, it's no, Jerry, opens. Hey, if people don't understand why Jerry Hamilton isn't the best at this business after that explanation, I don't know what to tell you because he's not just trying to figure out, you know, what, where a player likes or what team he likes, et cetera. He's trying to go into the nuances of the whole recruiting process to try to give you a feel for what's actually going on behind the scenes and some things that are very realistic that have impact on what will happen. As far as Eric's comment, it's, it's true. And they are working on flips, but they've been working on them. It's not new news, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's not new news. Uh, that is just more of the same. Uh, so, you, I mean, you can talk about an offensive lineman. You can talk about a defensive back. Uh, you can talk about other positions as well. Defensive line. Um, a number of different pieces. So, I, Jerry said it at two and a half. Uh, one has already occurred now. Right, y'all. We got another super chat here, and this one from Edmund Lee. Want to thank Edmund for this. He says, still nine and one this morning. Next two games will be like the Big 12 college football playoff. What do they have to lose? Texas Tech has your mark pushing the embrace the hate tour 23 before UT wins the Big 12 college football playoff. I gave up on the point spread. Hook them. <laughs> I think you should give up on the point spread too, bud. <laughs> uh look um your mark is you know whatever uh te- let's talk a little bit about that texas tech kansas game jerry um texas tech won 16 13 they had like 35 seconds left on the clock tied 13 to 13 they moved the ball 40 yards 50 yards uh yeah. to hit the game-winning field goal uh the majority of that occurring on a long deep ball uh that uh, kansas misplayed downfield uh, even had a safety over the top and let him let it be a comeback route uh, to him. So they they misplayed that. But uh, Kansas came back on them uh, with uh, a third string quarterback. Yes, Jason Bean went out in the first quarterback. Jalen Daniels obviously not available. Um, and so uh, you know it was interesting watching K- Kansas's defense kind of dominate. Uh, Texas Tech after the first quarter uh, until that last drive. Uh, Texas Tech, not unlike what Texas did against TCU with that long pass to Adonai Mitchell, similar type pass for Texas Tech uh, to get that that ball in scoring position. By the way, I think one of the mysteries in the Big 12 this year is what's going on with Jalen Daniels. Very interesting. I mean, he wasn't even suited up. No. Something's wrong uh, either – you know, either he's truly injured, he's being held for another year. Bean's yeah. already Bean's got to graduate. He used his COVID year this year. I don't know that Leipold's going anywhere, guys. No. Um, just based on what I'm hearing. Although a lot of people are saying Michigan State, Michigan State may be focused on the Toledo coach right now, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So so that, yeah. That's yeah. one of the rumors out there is that Daniels is not playing so he can leave <laughs> him to go elsewhere. I think, I, 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 I think it's obvious Jalen Daniels is being held out to come back another year. Yes. All right. We have a comment here from Reggie Matthews. He says, nobody's talking about how Texas defense is second in the country on third down conversion rate. A total 180 from last season. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why. I, we've been talking about it here. Texas is a top five, top ten defense overall right now. 
any way you put it, in my opinion, because their success on holding third and fourth downs right now, uh, they are doing a better job. They're dominating up front. They're, they are playing bump and run more on the outside and, and uh, trying to contend with receivers. I'm a big believer in what Texas is doing there. Yeah. Uh, I, Reggie, if, 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 uh, if we're not saying it enough uh, for you folks, know that Pete Kwiatkowski, even though they scored 20 on him in the fourth quarter, some of that was just you keep chipping away and you don't, you know, you have five, six, seven possessions in the second half. Things are going to happen. Uh, we got time for just a couple more questions, guys. This first one from King Me. He says, what's more surprising after 10 games? Texas has the only wide receiver duo in the Big 12 with the 1,000-plus yards combined, or that Brooks reached 1,000 yards after not being the starter the first three games? Really? Texas is the only is the team with the only duo of wide receivers with 1,000 yards? That is surprising to me. That is that's the, I mean, that's the most surprising thing. in the yeah, Bro You knew a Texas running back would probably have 1,000 yeah. yards, whether it was Brooks or Baxter. That's very surprising to me. But it also speaks to injuries, right? It speaks to injuries. Who's been? Uh, what receiver's been injured? Oh well, I think uh, a, a, Andrew Anthony being hurt. He was okay. the leading receiver for OU. Went down with ACL in the fourth quarter of the Oklahoma game, Texas Oklahoma game. Maybe what he have three hundred yards at that point in time. So then they have to work in different guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe again though, I, I'm still very surprised. But now TCU was trying to rotate eight receivers this year three of those guys were out and that obviously guys didn't get a chance that put up as many numbers in that tcu offense but yeah and, and there's some really good wide receivers graduated out of the big 12 as well rotating eight receivers is like rotating six safeties yeah <laughs> makes no sense to me uh Bobby it didn't make sense i mean look it didn't make sense when tom herman did it yeah you know, you put your best guys on the field and go win. There's only 70 plays a game. If they're not the big guys, the defensive tackles and the offensive, I mean, even the offensive linemen, you can say, oh, well, they're getting tired, but the offensive linemen know where they're going. The defensive linemen, I get it why you would rotate those guys out. Ryan Nelson, our stats guy, he's correct. I was just, Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson have over 1K combined for UCF. Okay. Got it. So there's two, two groups. Yeah, there's that's still that's still fewer than you would think. Yeah, I agree. All right, before we get to these last couple of questions, Bobby, I'm gonna let you tell everybody about the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely. John Donovan sponsors each uh, Monday morning uh, coffee and football. We appreciate him. Uh, John uh, is a proud UT grad and shares his pa Longhorn passion with his wife and six siblings, all of whom are also UT grads. John's a certified financial planner who has spent over 30 years providing investment, insurance, retirement, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. Uh, Longhorn Wealth desires to serve all Longhorns and their loved ones by providing them the best in life, disability, and long-term care insurance solutions to ensure a protected and successful financial future for all of you and your families. So for a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can serve you and your loved ones, please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's longhornwealth.net. Uh, and by the way, I think the question was actually, or what he said was he meant those guys combined in just Big 12 play. 
because uh, as people have pointed uh, out in the comments, there's there's a few teams that have. I was I was thinking to myself that doesn't make sense. Uh, so he, I think he just means one that K combined in just Big Twelve play. All right, guys, we're going to do one or two more questions here, and then we got to get out of here. But this first question is going to be from Captain Americano, and he says, I appreciate the never-say-die mentality of this team, but what needs to happen for them to shift from a survivor's <laughs> mentality to a killer instinct mentality? I think continued growth in the program. I, I think that's really what it is. I mean, somebody keeps bringing up in the comments section the Bobby Bowden saying, and I can't remember it word for word, but it is so true. Let me find that while Bobby comments on this. Well, I, I, I think it's part of what I was saying earlier. I mean, it starts with a guy like Roshan Johnson and the effort, the fanatical effort it takes to not just be a survivor, but a winner. I mean, survivor first, but a winner in, in actuality. Carries on to guys like Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy and what they did, even Adonai Mitchell and what he did on Saturday night. They people learn the Anthony Hills, the Derek Williams, the Jonte Cooks, the uh, Ethan Burks. They learn from Manny Muhammad. They learn from people that have done it before. Him. Cedric Baxter's learning right now from Jonathan Brooks. You learn by seeing other people do a lot of times. And what Texas has gotten and what Sark's been whether it's lucky that he had Roshan Johnson, yeah, probably. But that sort of fanatical effort that matters to people and it, football matters to them and they're, they're put out on the field matters, that's big, in my opinion. By Bobby Bowden's quote, which I think is, is kind of where Texas is as a program, first you lose big, five and seven, then you lose close, then you win close, and finally you win big. I think Texas is in the third quarter of this process. Getting ready to go to a tougher league. Right. right. So there may be some regression in that or maybe another year or two of that. So be aware of that. But I, I am I, – I believe in that. Um, I think a game – I mean, Texas didn't have just one or two guys step up in that game. I mean, yeah. JT Sanders had a nice game. Uh, Savior Worthy, just a tremendous game. Uh, did you like? I'll go back to another game, another another uh, part of that play to Adonai Mitchell, guys. That was a winning play. That was away from the ball. Go watch Cedric Baxter on blitz pickup on that third and twelve. Watch, just go. He he rides that guy coming on. I think it was a safety or a, or a linebacker coming off the edge, and he just rides him out of the picture. He doesn't pick that up as a true freshman. Quinn Ewers either sitting on his backside or Texas is punting. So winning plays, they, they just have a way of, of multiplying. And I don't think Texas, and I'll say this, I don't think Texas is like TCU. I don't think this Texas team is like the Texas team of 2009 that went from a national title to a losing team the next year. There's something going on. It's not just surface deep right now. Too many young players, Ethan Burke's back, Baron Sorrell, uh, you know, you can just go on down the list. Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, uh, Terrence Brooks, Manny Muhammad. There, there's more to this than just, you know, surface level stuff right now. 
And it's not being dominated by by Sergio Kendall, Lamar Houston, and and Jordan Shipley and uh, Colt McCoy. They're not that that dominant, in my opinion. All right, we have a super chat real quick, guys. Uh, Eric76 says, Olive Branch, Jerry. I agree with Jerry 95%. I would hope if you call us out, then we can call you out. If not, I will bow out. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about here. That, that happened during the game. Uh, the watch with us Saturday. I mean, you know, look, hey, people are free to call me out whenever they want, but if I'm going to disagree, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. I mean, it is what it is. What did he call you out on, Jerry? Uh, they're saying I never talk about Quinn's bad passes. Literally eight minutes after Quinn threw an interception, I said the ball's thrown ten yards too far inside. That was the that was not a good pass by Quinn. Oh, okay. Well, he the the, the worst that that was the bad that was one bad pass from Quinn. I actually, you know, first time throwing deep, your arms you don't know if your arms tight or whatever's going on with him still. I, I was really disappointed in the the route that Ad Mitchell just. I mean, he literally shook uh, Josh Newton in his boots on the goal line, and that was an easy throw and catch that Quinn makes ninety to ninety-five percent of the time. That what I thought was a horrible throw from Quinn. And yes, somebody got in his vision, but but Quinn's better than that throw. That that should have been that should have been a touchdown. Instead, Texas took three points. And one other super chat, and I think it goes back to what we were talking to earlier uh, from Daryl Thomas. He says more plays per game this year. I think that was referring to y'all's conversation just a little bit ago. Offensive plays for Texas, I think. Yeah. Right? Well, they're better offense this year. Definitely. I mean, Texas, hey, Texas had 35 minutes of possession, I think, against TCU guys. Hey, by the way, with the plays per game this year, we haven't really talked about that. Um, I'm interested to see if we can find something on that where we're at in November now. Plays per game this year versus last year. Early on the season, it was about two plays, two and a half plays per game per team. Uh, I'm, I, I'm gonna. We need to take a look and see where that's at now. Two combined factors for that for Texas. It's not just the offense is better. The defense is so much better on third down. They're getting more opportunities. So more plays for the Texas offense, it's meaningful. Uh, I think it's meaningful. I think it allows you to control the game a little bit better. Uh, you know, time management on Texas' side when you're up by 20 maybe need to be looked into a little bit more diligently. But other than that, I can't I can't blame anything that they're doing. Hey, Jerry, Christopher Weatherford said it's only four to six fewer per game per team as of last week. Yeah, so essentially, essentially, you're you're losing a possession per game. Yep. All right, y'all. Well, this has been a, a great episode of Coffee and Football presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Bobby, before we get out of here, what can everybody expect to see on On Texas Football later today? Absolutely. I'm getting ready to tape something with Brian Irwin, uh, the former uh, head football coach of Lamarck Cougars, two-time state champ. We're going to do lunch with a coach. That'll be ready by noon uh, today. Uh, then uh, Jerry and Rod come back talking ball uh, this evening uh, as well. So we've got you guys covered. If there is any breaking news, by the way, we will we will come on like we did yesterday with both the Jimbo Fisher announcement, uh, talked a little ball there, and then also Wardell Mack uh, switching his commitment from uh, Florida to Texas. Longhorns, a lot of news going on, and a lot of it is favoring the Longhorns right now. They just, you know, pinch yourself a little bit. Texas 9-1. 
picked up a top 50 recruit in the country. Aggies in disarray. Uh, yeah. You know, just a lot of positive things going on in, in Longhorn land. Uh, I also want to mention, guys, if you're not a subscriber to InsideTexas.com, which is where Jerry and I post each and every day, not only in articles, but also in the message boards, make sure you try it out. Select the monthly offer. And right now you get two months for just $1. We've run this uh, uh, run this promotion for about two months now. Uh, almost 500 people have taken us up on it. Please continue to do so because if you don't, I, I think you're really missing out. OTFIT23, promo code OTFIT23. Uh, people, I hope you're enjoying your subscription to InsideTexas.com as well. Blake, you're, you're uh, muted, buddy. Yeah, that may help. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Coffee and Football. I want to thank Longhorn Wealth Management Group and John Donovan, of course, Homefield Apparel and Manscaped, all for sponsoring today's show. And for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them, and thank you guys for stopping by and uh, spending the morning with us. Get your week started. Thank you to all.